That's just the way it works out. So, uh, so anyway, that's it. But the power of priority. Uh, Jesus said it best. You know, Jesus, and if you, if you know anything about James, James is uh, the half-brother of Jesus. They're in the same family. Uh, Jesus said, uh, the, you'll know uh, where your heart is, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, right? That's what Jesus said. So where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So when Jesus says treasure, when we say treasure, uh, even if you're a kid or uh, even as an adult, that's, it's, when you say treasure, you have this like kid mentality, right? It's like gold and bars and treasure and hunting. But, uh, but Jesus is basically saying, where you put your values, where you put your priorities, Amen. that's where your heart's gonna be. And it can be for God or not for God, by the way. Uh, so if, if your value, whatever your value and your priority is, all your time, your energy, your thoughts, your resources, uh, everything goes to those values and those priorities. Uh, and, you know, that's a very true st- statement that Jesus said. Uh, and again, it could be for God or not for God, but wherever your priority is or your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. That's where your focus is going to be. That's where your energy is going to go, your, your time, your resources, uh, your prayers, all of those things will go towards uh, where that priority is. Now, I love that we all have different gift sets. We all have different talents and treasures. So God doesn't have a problem that we have different values or priorities. So that's not a problem because God created us all uniquely in his image. So we may be diverse or different or have different passions or desires or gifts or talents. That's fine. Uh, but you're going to see today's message is uh, the problem comes is what are your priorities? You know, a lot of people, most, uh, we've done a lot of counseling. I've done a lot of counseling through the years. Most people have, uh, they don't know what their values are. They don't know what their priorities are. You know, as much as the Bible said, write it on the wall, put it on your forehead, write it on your doorpost, hang it around your neck. I mean, Jesus has said it in so many ways, you know, but here's what he's saying. You need to know what your priorities are. You need to know what your values are. Of course, God should be one of those most important values. Uh, but I want you to see is a lot of times uh, we struggle or we get into these, uh, we feel tension is uh, when we're, uh, we're out of balance. We're just not focusing on the right values or priorities. So today, I want to talk about the po- power of priority. Uh, Stephen Covey, if you, if you know him, if anybody knows who Stephen Covey, if you, if you, have a, uh, if you work in the work world or you have a, a vocation, a lot of people know Stephen Covey. He's the one that makes the planners, right? Kind of old school now, but, uh, but he's the one that made all the, the planners and things. But he said this, the key is not to prioritize what's on your schedule, but to schedule your priorities. Let me read that again. The key is not to prioritize what's on your schedule, but to schedule your priorities. I think that's a good statement. Of course, it's not, it's not necessarily the Bible, but I, I just, I'm just saying that it's really good. A lot of us, we let our schedule dictate what's important instead of letting our priorities dictate what's on our schedule. Uh, it's, it's really just a mind shift difference, and this is what Jesus always tells us, is we've just got to change how we think. That's what repentance is, is changing how we think, changing how we see things. And so uh, let's look at, let me, let me just share a few things. Let me paint a really, just a picture uh, a beautiful picture of maybe the world's priorities. Uh, James really does a great job of showing you uh, some glimpses or some highlights or some pictures. And by the way, we've, we've all struggled with these uh, world's priorities in our lives. We've all uh, maybe entertained them. And by the way, James is writing to believers. So even as believers, uh, I always think this is interesting. When you get saved, the Bible speaks about how we're a new creation, right? We're a new creation in Christ. Because of what Jesus done, we're a new creation. Uh, but what's interesting is the old self doesn't get like uh, erased or evaporated. You know, it's, there's still things there. Our flesh still tends to flare up. There, even as believers, we tend to, we still have the wrong priorities. Our, our world mindset sometimes gets the wrong focus. And James really says that really well. Let me, let me just paint the picture with uh, these 
verses or chapters out of James. Again, we're going to look at James 2, 3, 4, and 5, but I'm just going to give you some pieces out of these. You can go back and look at the context of all of them uh, uh, later if you like, uh, but again, we've been kind of challenging you to keep reading through James. You know, read through it. You can read through the five chapters of James very easy. It's written really well. It's very simple to understand. Hits you right in the heart, but look at what he says in verse, chapter 2, verse 1. It says, my brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly, or your church, a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and they should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and he pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes, and say to him, you sit here in a good place, and say to the poor, you stand here, or you sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves, and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich, in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? And so James really throws a good point, and he's speaking to the church, by the way. He's speaking to believers. So I only say that because, um, look, we, we've all, most of us, many of us, have been in a place where we haven't followed Jesus. And the world's mentality or, or the world's process of, of people, if you were to look out, is to look at the outward, Right? You look at what people wear, how they, how they dress, you know, how they carry themselves, how they speak, um, you know, maybe where they live. You look at things at the outward, but that is not how God sees people. God sees people through, he looks at their heart. He doesn't look at the outward. He looks at their heart. He looks at them, who they are as their character, integrity. But um, even in the church, this is a problem, isn't it? And so I, I say that because uh, I think James does a beautiful, like, if you had the choice, if a rich man came in, and a poor man came in, and by the way, this happens every weekend, right? What do you choose? And why? It's not saying, uh, you know, it's not saying that anything towards the people, it's really speaking to you and me at our hearts. Are we, are we seeing people in the right way? Or are we quickly making judgments based on what we see? You see, the world train has trained us to look at the outward, look at the flashy, look at the things that attract you, uh, and the Lord has, has taught us how to look at the heart Amen. and to be careful not to, be, to show partiality or favoritism based on the way someone may dress or the way they may look or the way they may carry themselves. But again, the world's priority is, hey, quickly make a judgment. It doesn't matter who they are as a person. You quickly make a judgment, and your opinion's all that matters. That's the world's priority. This is, but as believers, again, this is our old self. Maybe that's what you were taught. Maybe, look, it's, it's ingrained in us. It's part of our sin nature. It's part of what the enemy has done. Uh, James chapter three, here's, here's another picture that James paints, starting in verse uh, 13 of chapter three. It says this, who is wise and understanding among you, let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if any of you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, worldly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exists, confusion and every evil thing are there. Isn't that a beautiful way to talk about wisdom? A worldly priority of wisdom would be, it's about what I think, it's about what my values are, it's about my opinions, and I'm going to do everything I can to communicate them to you. And if you don't bow down to them, then I'm, it's self-seeking. It's envious. It's bitterness. And we hurt each other. 
Listen, we, we live in a country that we can certainly understand this, right? Look, it's okay to have values and priorities. It's not okay to battle and fight and bicker and win so you can win an argument. Or to slander and throw people under the bus just so your opinion or value or voice can be heard. And James says, look, this is the world's priority. This is what's happening. And I'm not, and I'm not even just pointing out America. You can go anywhere in the, in the world and you're going to see the same thing. James is saying, look, this, this is what uh, the worldly priority would be. This is, I love how he separates it. This is not from heaven. This is earthly. And you're making them, and you're manipulating them. Or you're calling them something because they don't believe or they're not receiving what you're saying. And I love the other way he puts it. This is where evil dwells. This is where the enemy loves to have you. You see, this is the trap of the worldly party. And look, uh, James says it really well. You can't be a friend of the world and a friend of God. It just really, it just doesn't, doesn't go together. And James says a beautiful way of painting pictures that we can all understand. Look, we've all played favorites at, at one time or the other. All of us have maybe manipulated or tried to control or you've pushed your view on somebody else at the expense of a relationship. James chapter four says this. This is where do wars and fights come from among you? That's a good question, isn't it? Do they not come from your desire for pleasure that you want in your members, your lust that you do not have, you murder and covet and cannot tame, you fight and war you don't have because you don't ask. You ask and you don't receive because you're ask amiss and you may spend it on your pleasures. Isn't that interesting? That the literal understanding of wars and fights comes from what? It comes from our self-seeking, envious desires and pleasures. It comes from us getting our way, whatever the cost. And if I have to crush you to get it, that's what's gonna happen. I mean, you think about all the wars that we fought through the years, and let me just say, almost, Pretty much every war is spiritual. It's spiritual. And every war, somebody has a voice, and that voice is being communicated, and, and lots of people are following that voice at whatever the cost, for whatever the desire, for whatever the pleasure. This is the priority of the world. That's about us, it's about me. It's about my opinion. It's about my value. And whatever it takes for people to understand it, this is what we're going to do. Whose voice is louder? Who's stronger? Who has more power? James chapter 5 says this, verse, chapter, or verse 1. It says, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded. And the corrosion will be a witness against you and you'll eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears. Listen to the description of the Lord here. The Lord of Sabbath. This isn't a message on Sabbath necessarily, but isn't it interesting that the world's priority is everything against the Sabbath. Everything against what God desires for every single human being on the planet. 
The world's priority is get away from that. You work 60 or 70 hours to get what you want. Do you really, at the end of the day, if we had to boil down our life and you had to put what your values are, if, if it was to end today, is it, is it really about working 70, 80 hours so you can have the things that you have? Is that what it's all about? The world would get you to say, hey, look, take advantage of people, do what you can, achieve. Look, here, here's, here's some world priorities, if I could boil all these scriptures down. Power, popular thoughts. Maybe even giving them evidence to them. Maybe you're here today and you're, you're still inundated in, in the, these priorities. I, I gotta have this or I gotta have that. I've gotta accumulate. I love how James says, look, we accumulate all these things that moths destroy, that they just eat up. We feel like our whole life is, is achieving and buying and having. I gotta have this car, this house. But if it was all to end today, guess what? None of that goes with you. Yet we give so much priority to it. We give so much, and I'm not saying it's bad. All I'm saying is our priorities are out of whack. If we have a worldly priority, we have a worldly focus, guess what? It's all about us. It's all about what we say and what, what, we, what goes in our world. And by the way, your priority is different than my priority, and your value is different than my value. But... If we don't know the Lord, we're going to sit here and fight and bicker about whose priority is more important, whose value is more important, whose voice is more important, whose life is more important, at the expense of understanding who made it all anyway, at the expense of knowing the God that made it all and has blessed you and gifted you and talented you. You see, this is what the enemy's done since the very beginning of time. Think about it, Adam and Eve. The Lord made them both miraculously, with simple words. He didn't. If we think about being inventive, we don't really, I mean, inventing is an awesome thing, but we're really taking what God made and we're making something. God is the ultimate creator. He's the ultimate inventor. With with words, he made everything, and everything he made, we take, and we, we create things out of his creation, but we like to take credit for it as if, as if we made the earth. We didn't make the earth. He did. But it's, it's okay to be creative and, and have those desires because God made us in his image. We should have that creativity. We should have that. But when your priorities are racked, we make it about us. I did this. I made this. It's my watch. I don't think you made time, sir. I don't think you made the sun or the moon that made the time. You see, it's interesting what we do, how we make it about us. But that's the world's priority. That's what the enemy, if he can ensnare you or entangle you in any sin, it would be this, to get you away from the living God. That's what he did with Adam and Eve. God said, look, it's all yours. He made everything in six days. He rested on the seventh. He modeled the Sabbath for us. He wants us to take a day off, by the way. In fact, you're, you're more blessed by taking one day off and resting in his presence and, and re- resting from your work than you are if you work seven. I know it doesn't make sense logically, but God isn't logical all the time. His ways are always better than ours. And so he made everything in six days, the grass, the trees, everything you see. So if you're new to the Bible and you've never read about creation, he made everything by speech. Let there be light, boom. 
Let there be stars. Let there be grass. Let there be water. Let there be an earth. Let there be a man, a woman. He did it all with speech. And it, it happened. That'd be so cool if we could do that, wouldn't it? But we would, we would do it the wrong way. And then God only told them, look, you can, all of this is yours, he told Adam and Eve. It's all yours. You can eat of every fruit tree, every herb, every, you can have it all. It's all yours. Maintain it, govern it, take care of it. But don't eat of this one tree. One, stay away from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Just stay away from that one. It's all, everything is, there's so much selection. Why do you need that one? But then a deceiver came. Lucifer came. The Satan came as a serpent. And he spoke and he said, surely, surely you won't die. Because that's what the Lord said. If you eat of this fruit of this tree, you're going to die. And he said, surely you won't die. No, 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 no. You see, this is the priority of the world. This is the priority of the enemy. It's not that you're going to die. What God's afraid of is that you become like him. You already created in his likeness. But he takes it and twists it and says, no, no, you're going to become like him and you're going to know between, you're going to know good and evil. God's desire was never for us to understand good and evil, just to understand him and to be in his presence. But we all ate of the fruit, didn't we? All of us have. We've all fallen short. You see, the enemy's trying to get us away from God, away from the living God, away from Jesus, away from the Lord himself. And Adam and Eve ran and hid. But can I remind you who ran after them? God did. They hid, but he went after them. And it's such encouragement if you're here today and you're, maybe you're out of balance, maybe your priorities are whacked out, or maybe these worldly principles are really speaking to you. Listen, God is still running after you. You may be hiding, you may be hurting, you may read these things and say, that's me. Listen, God still loves you and he's still running after you. All of us, and so I don't want you to feel, if you're in here, if you're saying, man, yeah, that's me, I really feel bad. Look, we all have these thoughts and these tendencies. We've all fallen into the trap of favoritism, materialism, power, selfishness, pride, greed. All of us have fallen into that trap, into that ensnarement. That's what, that's what the enemy's trying to get us locked into. And so my second point is the tension of these priorities. You know, there's a great story about a man named Gregory Mallory. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, uh, but he was a mountain climber. He was one of the first mountain climbers. And so his heroism or his story is, is he's one of the first men to make it up Mount Everest. But his son writes a different story. Listen to this. Greg Mallory is the famous mountain climber who died attempting to reach the peak of Mount Everest and may well have been the first person to reach the peak. But the pursuit of his dreams took a toll on his family. In the introduction to the book, Last Climb, George's son, John, who, who was just three years old when his father perished, speaks of both his pride at what his father achieved and sadness. He wrote, I would so much rather have known my father than to have grown up in the shadow of a legend, a hero, or someone people perceive him to be. Isn't it interesting that you have one person's value, Greg Mallory, that says it's all about reaching the top of Everest. If I can just reach the top of Everest, that would be everything. 
and you have his own child saying, I just wish I had my dad. Look, it's not wrong to have dreams and desires and to take risk like climbing a mountain. But if the expense is that you'd give up everything, God and your family, just to achieve, what's the point? And I think we all have this tension. Is, it, is our whole life just about having stuff? That whenever life's over, you'd have no stuff? Is your whole life working seven days a week just to pay the bills? Just so you can afford the decisions that you've made that you have to work that many hours because you've made decisions that cost you and, and cause you to go that course? That, and I love the way James says this here in chapter five, that cries and reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. Have we gotten to the point where we have to work so much that we can't even have a Sabbath? And then we justify and make an excuse why we can't have a Sabbath. I just can't take a Sabbath. Why? Why? Why can't you take a Sabbath? Why can't you rest? Why can't you take a day off? Here's what we're really saying. I don't have time for God because I have all these other commitments. I have all these other priorities that are beckoning for me to answer. This is what the enemy wants. The world is beckoning for your attention, your time, your energy, your resources, your priorities. If the enemy could ensnare you enough to get your focus off of God and get your focus on a whole bunch of other things that seem important, but you've lost sight of a relationship with the living God. And by the way, all he he really cares about because those on the wide road or the wide path, the Bible says, those that are not seeking God and on the path that looks like the right way because there's so many people on it. Jesus says, there's a narrow path, which are my flock, and there's a wide path, which are not. If the enemy can get you on the wide path, he's been victorious. Look, we all have this tension. Even as believers, we have this tension this tension of the old self, this, this ten, tension of the sinful man, this tension of the world beckoning your attention and your, your, your desires and your passions. Look, understand something very clear. God made every one of us. You are gifted, you are talented, you are valuable, you are important. Because God made you that way. And he puts you where you are on purpose. There are no accidents. You're where you are purposely placed by a holy God that made you. And there's a reason for it. And the reason is not the tension that we feel from the enemy or the world. The reason is not so you can have more stuff. The reason isn't so you could have a career where you get a name plaque and you get a special badge that gives you different security privileges. I'm not saying those things are wrong or bad, but if you negate a relationship with the living God for those things, then you've lost focus, you've lost sight. At the end of the day, you've climbed, great, you've climbed the mountain, now what? When you stand before the living Jesus Christ, and all you have is, I climbed the mountain, Jesus, 
And he says, I never knew you. What does that mountain mean now? What does that career mean now? What do those things mean now? Look, we all have this tension. We live in a blessed nation. I'm thankful we live in America. But I'm even more thankful that we can know and worship Jesus Christ. And so now we look at his priority. What are his priorities? You know, Jesus made it so clear. In fact, he was speaking. We, did, we shared this in communion. He was actually speaking to Pharisees and Sadducee, and he said, and they asked him. They trapped him and trying to trip him up and trying to get him to say something wrong. And they said, Jesus, what is the most important commandment? And listen to the question. What is the most important? important commandment. Here's, here's what they're saying. God, what is, is the most important thing in all humanity? If you could boil all down for me, Jesus, what is the priority every person in humanity should have? Listen to what Jesus says. Matthew 22, verse 37 says this. Jesus said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. It's like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 40 says, on these two commandments hang the law and the prophets. Here's what Jesus Christ is saying. Everything in this book and everything the prophets spoke about hang on these two things. Here's what Jesus is saying. Your priority needs to be this. Love God. Not just love me like you understand love. Love pizza and love God aren't the same thing. You know that, right? As much as you love pizza or turkey, turkey pizza, turducken, whatever it is, Jesus says you love God with everything, your heart, your soul, your mind. Look, I know what the world's saying about us worshiping God. It's not cool. But it's a lie. Jesus says, what I'm gonna give you in life is abundant and fruitful and prosperous. What the world's, what he's gonna give you, the enemy, is death and destruction and lies and deception. Sure, it looks flashy, it looks good. But at the end of the day, it's death. You see, Jesus was right. If you eat of the fruit and you don't worship God, you will die. He wasn't talking about physical, by the way. Although we all physical die, the death rate in America and the world is, well, it's 99.9 because there was one guy that made it, right? There was one guy, Elijah, you know, he... He just went up, you know, so we, it's close. It's like those germicides, right? Kills them all but one, you know, it leaves that one, right? But we know Elijah was John the Baptist, he got beheaded, so it counts 100%. Death rate's 100%. So God's priority is this, love God. God has always got to be our first priority, church. And I know saying this as a preacher, like, you think, We're saying this in a church. But James is also saying it to the church. Look, God has to be first. 
Love God with all your mind, your soul. Look, that encompasses everything. It encompasses your vocation, your job. That's why God has to be first. It encompasses you and your life and your family, your marriage, your kids. It encompasses all of it. But first and foremost, we have to be seeking God purposefully, regularly. That's why we made Jesus Lord of our lives because just like he came to disciples and said, follow me, we're also followers, which means God my ears are open to you. My life is open to you. Everything is open to you. God, I'm worshiping you with my heart and my soul and my strength and my being. Look, it's not mediocre. It's everything that you are. It's your emotions. It's your will. It's your thoughts. It's your life. It's the way you treat people. It's the way that you love others. Listen, this is what I love about this passage that Jesus gave. He says, first of all, love God with everything. Look, it started that way with Adam and Eve. God met with them every day. It was about the relationship. The Ten Commandments. If you're new to the Bible, if you don't know what they are, what are the first three? They're all about making God first, aren't they? Don't bow down to idols. Worship one God. Actually, actually that's the first one. I'll worship God and God alone. Don't bow down to idols. Don't use my name in vain. Number four, which none of us like. Well, I love it now, but I didn't always like it. Honor the Lord and keep the Sabbath holy. Look, these are all God first. Put God first. God hasn't changed. He's the same. He didn't change from Adam to the commandments to when Jesus appeared on the earth. He hasn't changed. Jesus has always said the very most important priority is putting me first, that we're followers of Christ. That is the most important thing we can do is let him be Lord and us be a follower, to read his word and say, Lord, I am applying it. I am making it part of my life. It's not legalism. So if that's where you are, you're saying, you're just asking me to follow a bunch of laws. When did the law ever save you? It's never saved anybody. Only Jesus saves who, by the way, was perfect and followed the law perfectly. He's the only one that's done it. There isn't any person in humanity that followed the law perfectly except for Christ. So it's through him we receive forgiveness and salvation and love. Listen, the fruits of God are this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Does anybody not want those? Listen, you can take this to an unbeliever, you can take this to an atheist. None of them will say love is bad. Joy is bad. Gentleness is bad. Kindness is bad. Goodness is bad. Self-control is bad. All of these things every human being desires. Why? Because we're created in his image. Whether you believe God or not doesn't matter. We all have the same desires. To, we all want to love, but we don't know how to love. Why? Because we don't know God. That's why loving God is the first priority. The only way you know how to love is to know love. Jesus isn't just loving. He is love. The definition of love is Jesus Christ. If you want to learn how to love, you've got to love God with all your heart, soul, mind. If you want to understand how to forgive, you go to the one that forgives. If you want to understand mercy, you go to the one that shows mercy. If you want to know grace, you go to the one that is grace. You see, then what happens to you when you see love and you see grace and your goodness and gentleness and kindness and self-control, guess who changes? You. 
I change, you change. He molds us. We're like clay in a potter's hand. He begins to make this beautiful, beautiful life. But it starts with loving God with every part, receiving him. By the way, you can't love others without loving God. That's why it's all hate. I love how Jesus worded it. First, you love God with everything that you are. And then you love others as you love yourself. This is the greatest part of the gospel. We get saved through Christ. We get forgiven through Christ. We receive mercy through Christ, grace through Christ, joy through Christ, love through Christ. We receive it personally. Why? Because the gospel says freely you receive. Did it cost you anything to get saved? No, it cost him everything. And freely you received his salvation. Freely you received his forgiveness. Guess what? Now you can give. You see, that's why Jesus says if, you love, if God is your first priority, then you know how to love. You know how to forgive. I'm not saying we're perfect. We're not perfect. That's why we got to keep going to a holy God. That's why we need to keep going to him daily. Daily. We take up the cross. Daily we go to God. Daily. I'm so thankful that this is the temple that we can meet with God daily. It's not inconvenient. Look, it should fit into our schedules. Why are all these other things important that we don't have time for God? Why? Why? And if that is happening, look, just reevaluate and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. And I'm sorry isn't enough. You could say I'm sorry and not do anything with it. You say I'm sorry and you make it happen. If he's first, you make him a priority, which means this meeting is as important as this meeting. Can I tell you something? We can work as hard as we can as human beings doing good things. We can be very good at what we, what we do. And you're, the, you're good that way because God made you. But we can, we can be great developers. We can be great doctors. We can be great uh, oil workers. We can be great at everything we do. We can be great preachers. We can be great at all of these things. But can I tell you something? If Jesus Christ said, I want you to throw the net on the other side. If I want you to make a shift in your business. If I want you to make a shift in your family. Can I tell you that is much better than any decision you'll make? They fished all night and didn't catch anything. And Jesus said, just switch sides. Was it because the side was more abundant? No, it's because Jesus said, do it, and he always blesses, and it's always more than you think. So this should encourage you that worshiping a living God, there's gonna be moments in everything that you do where he's gonna blow you away. And I don't care what your vocation is, your career is, or how important you think you are. He's always much more important than we are. And we humble ourselves and we put ourselves as followers and we say, God, is there something I'm not seeing right now? Listen, it's just that little shift sometimes. It's, that little, it's just that little nugget that God gives you. It's that, it's that verse that you're reading that morning that all of a sudden you're in a situation and you're like, oh my goodness, I just read this this morning. God just showed me this this morning. Can I give this to you? If you read the Bible, if you're someone that reads the Bible every day, you know how often that happens. You'll be reading a verse 
and yes, it's good for you, and then all of a sudden, you're sitting next to a coworker or a family member or a neighbor or somebody, and all of a sudden, you're giving away what you just received for yourself, which is the word of God, which is life. You see, that's why God being the first priority is so important. It's God, then it's you. But remember, I'm not talking about you in a selfish way, but you in an authoritative way that we're under Christ, that we're now followers of God. We're in a place of receiving. We're in a place of of being obedient, as being faithful followers, being faithful stewards of the living God. And we're becoming, not just, we're becoming great men and women. James says the prayer of the righteous avails much. We're coming to a place, God, I so love living for you and with you and through you. That we understand God's heart and we begin to ask, God begins to answer in ways that we can't even understand or expect. He's changing you. And by the way, if you're married, two become one. So yes, it incorporates your marriage. Yes, it incorporates your family. Of course it does. Look, if you want to know something about your marriage, guess who made marriage? The guy you just worshipped this morning. He made marriage. Adam and Eve were made as husband and wife. He's the one that understands marriage. In fact, your whole faith, everything that you know about your relationship with Christ is defined through marriage. Isn't that crazy? Love God, that's your first priority. Then God begins to change you, transform you as an individual, as a husband or as a wife. And then in marriage and through your family, look, it begins to all become under Christ and through Christ that we're all following God. Yes, individually, but it's also powerful together. A marriage is so powerful when we're united under Christ. It's so powerful. And then others. You can't love others until you worship God and you allow God to change you. And then as you receive, guess what? Then you can give to them. You can give to others. I say others, it says neighbor, but if I say neighbor, you're thinking, oh yeah, that guy next door. We're such crazy people like that. He's not talking about your guy next door. Well, he is, but that's not the only guy he's talking about. He's talking about every person he's given you relationship with, your coworker, your family, your friend. Listen, start to look at everything that God's put in your life. Who's in your life? Who's around you? Who's around you every day? Those are your neighbors. Maybe you work next to somebody every day. Look, it's so beautiful that God can use you in your vocation. He can use you in your career. He can use you in your talent. He can use you in your gift. He can use you as a mom. He can use you as a dad. He can use you as a stay-at-home mom. Look, he doesn't care. Don't take this the wrong way. He does care, but he doesn't care what the situation is. He'll use any situation. Genesis 50, which I love, one of my favorite scriptures. It's where Joseph is going through life, and it doesn't look like anything he pictured. Does anybody have a life that you didn't picture it this way? You better get used to it because we worship a God that's bigger than we are, right? If we could say, God, this is what life looks like. God, you do this and you do that and you do that. Look, you're making yourself God. We're not tellers, we're followers. 
And so Jesus is going to take your life. That's why James says, consider your trials all joy because God is going to take your hurts, your situations, your circumstances, and he's going to turn them for good. It's what Genesis 50 says. He's going to take your trials and your situations, your experiments, your things, the things ultimately that the enemy is trying to steal, kill, and destroy, make terrible. The living God can laugh and scoff at him and say, ha, you may have had him for 10 years or 20 years, but I have him now. And this man and this woman, they're going to change the world. They're going to change their family. This man's going to turn this career, this job upside down. This man's going to help all his coworkers by the way he treats, by the way he loves, by the way he shows them God every single day. And I know that's not popular. It may not be in your handbook but it is in your handbook. It's right here. Go, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You have all authority from Jesus himself to go. Go, go. By the way, it doesn't say go. Oh, wait, work said that. Let's, all right, let's stop. Look, I'm not saying to be rude or come out of authority, but what I'm saying is, is you can be Christ in so many different ways. You just keep following God and watch to see how God will use you in every situation. Watch and show him as you help a coworker or help somebody that's going through a hard time. You know why James says, consider all these trials as joy? Because a lot of times, the trial that you just went through, you're gonna sit next to somebody that's going through the very similar trial, different circumstance, relationship experience, and he's gonna take you, who he saved you from that situation, he's graced you and he's blessed you and it's miraculous, and now you can sit there and go, hey, you know, this was my situation, but God did this. I just wanna pray with you. Listen, I, I thought it should go this way, but God took it this way. Look, I had a dream, and these things were, were bowing down to me, and I told everybody about it, and they threw me in a well. They tried to kill me, but God put me second in charge of this nation, and all these people came back, and guess what? They bowed down and worshiped, not me. I told them that God turned all things into good. What you meant to harm me, God has turned into good. Your priorities are so powerful. They are so powerful. Please choose God. This is what I love about Christmas because it reminds you constantly, Jesus is alive. Jesus is the Lord. He's the Messiah. And it's not just at Christmas time, by the way but I'm so thankful it's communicated all over the world. It makes it so much easier to talk about Jesus at Christmas time, doesn't it? Take advantage. We don't have much time left, church. I don't know how much time we have, but let's make every minute count. Let's make every minute count. Let's put God first. And if you're here today and you're struggling, maybe you're out of balance, it's okay. I've been out of balance. I think every person in this room has been out of balance. Just say, God, I'm sorry. And remember, sorry is good, but it's not enough. You say, I'm sorry, and then you make a change. You start thinking differently. Whatever it is, I can't tell you what it is, but he can. He'll tell you. 
Make the change. Watch and see the difference. Stand to your feet, and I just want to pray with you. I do want to challenge you to do one thing as you stand to your feet. As you, as you worship today and you thank and you talk to the Holy Spirit, I do want you to think about one thing. Most of our trials, I don't want to say all of them because that's not always the case, but many times, if you think about the hardest time in your life or the most difficult or the thing that, you know, you just, you know what it is. You, you, you're already thinking about it. I don't know what it is, but you're already thinking about it. And if you're new to church, this is new to you, I don't know what you're talking about. I always thought that when I came and I was unsaved. How did that pastor know? Did somebody tell the pastor? I don't know. But whatever that is, a lot of times our greatest hurt and our greatest pain and our greatest struggles are because we're out of balance, because God isn't first. And so just simply right, right where you are, just say, God, forgive me. I'm ready to make a change. I'm going to need your help, though, because my old self is going to keep telling me to do this thing, so I'm going to need your help. But I just challenge you to think about those times that you've had very, very difficult times in your life and try to identify, yeah, God wasn't first. That's, I see that. And so now you can remind yourself, in the next trial, I'm gonna keep God first. It doesn't mean that you won't go through trials. It just means that I'm keeping my priorities straight wherever I'm going. Lord, I just thank you for this church. Thank you for this body. Jesus, more than anything, we thank you for you. Thank you that while we were yet sinners, you went to the cross for us. That every part of you was torn and ripped apart on our behalf. You paid the price, Lord. Where would we be without you? Jesus, this faith, this life, this relationship we have with you is the most important thing that we will ever have. Lord, it's the treasure. And Lord, where we put our treasure, our heart will be. God, we choose to put our heart, to put our mind, to put our soul, to put our energy, to put our strength, to put our marriage, to put our family, to put everything under your authority, under your Lordship. We look to you. We're followers of you, Jesus. And Lord, please, if I or any one of us want to take control, Holy Spirit, convict us. Lord, your ways are to bless and to prosper us, not to harm us. I love the next few verses of Jeremiah. It says, those that seek me will find me. And Jesus, we choose to seek you right here, right now. In Jesus' mighty name, everyone said, amen. Let's worship together. We'll have a time for prayer. If you want to come at any time, you can. Altar teams, you can come up and get ready. But take some time. Worship God. Talk to God right there. You don't need special words, by the way. If you're new to church, just talk to him right there with your own words, your own understanding. Talk to God. He loves to talk to you. You'll hear him, I promise you. Take some time to worship, and if you need prayer, we're here to pray for you. Love you guys. God bless you. Have a great week.